morning. Good to see you in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. What a great time we've had worshiping the Lord. Um, it, it already fills my heart so much. Sometimes the, when I'm about to preach and we come from this time of worship, it's like I'm, I'm very lost for words. I just feel like singing and continuing to pray. But it's so good that we get to do this together. And those of you who are here for the first time, thank you for joining us. I know that you, you said that you were new. Exactly. So I, I saw a few hands. So I'm very grateful that you, you came uh, to, for us to worship Jesus together. So if, there's, if you're planning on staying in Lisbon for a bit, little bit longer, at the entrance of the church, you have the information center. So please do look. We have life groups going on. There's different activities as well that you can sign up during the week, including our WhatsApp groups. So please make sure that you do that. And we have also exciting news of what's going to come this summer. So summertime in Portugal, there's one thing that we do. We go to the beach. It's, you cannot escape that because it's so hot and the water is so refreshing. And a beautiful reason that brings us to, to, um, to the beach during summertime is that we celebrate baptisms. So if you haven't been baptized and the word of God gives us that commandment, those that believe in Christ Jesus shall be baptized. So if you haven't taken that step in your relationship with Jesus, if you understand who he is, if you understand that your salvation comes from him, if you understand what he did on the cross was exactly for you, then we should obey this commandment. And so we are planning on the first Sunday of August to take a group we already have a few people but if there's more people in the community that would like to take this step and if you're planning on staying in Lisbon for a little bit longer if you want to take that step in Lisbon it would be our privilege to guide you towards that um, at this point as well and there's a few things going on and I want to thank you all because we introduced uh, maybe two weeks ago we did a campaign for uh, the air conditioning in the auditorium even though today is not too hot. It's pleasant, but I want to tell you that thankfully we were we managed to gather enough funds to already purchase one AC unit extra for the auditorium. So good for you. Thank you for that. We aim for a few more. So if you have it in your heart, if this is still not the ideal temperature for you at the information center, they, they give you the QR code, everything that you need so we can give. And together we can make this, this place a lot more cozier as we worship during summertime. Uh, at this time, I already saw the moment the worship finished, Keli went ahead and he went <laughs> to, to the children's church. So if we still have young ones in the auditorium, I don't think we have, but... The, the younger ones are in the class. They're also being taught the word of God in order to grow in their relationship with God, in order to get to know one another. And so we are as well. As more grown-ups, we are still need to be taught the word of God and to focus on the things that come from the word of God this morning. So let's pray for them and let's pray for us. Amen. Thank you, God, that we are able to be in your presence. Thank you that you are such a faithful God that the moment we walk through these doors, our souls are already refreshed. We already feel your beautiful presence in this place, God. And, and Lord, everything that we do, it wouldn't make any sense if it wasn't for you. So we ask you, God, in a very special way, will you speak into our hearts? Will you speak into the hearts of the children as they are in the class, that you will give your words to the teachers, that you will give them such a good time together for them to grow spiritually, Lord, and also for us 
as we meditate in your word, for in what you have in store for us this morning, Lord, that it will be clear for all of us, that your spirit will give us the understanding, not just to intellectually understand, but also to apply it into our lives, God. We ask you this because we need you more and more, and we are so grateful for the work that you've already started in our lives. We give you honor and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, dear friends, this summer... We are starting a message series called Summer Fruit. So just in time for summer, summer is the best, some of the best time to get to explore what are the Portuguese fruits and what are the fruits of the season. And I'm terrible at that. I didn't grow up in, in the countryside. I lived in the countryside for a while, but most of my friends and the people that I engaged with, well, they, they weren't really into agriculture. So I don't know much about, about fruits, but I know that I like to eat fruit more in the summer than during the rest of the year. It's a time that we focus on that. Then there's something about fruit that it just makes it so refreshing, so timely for this time of summer. So during this time of summer, in the coming weeks, in the morning service, we are going to be focusing on the fruit of the Spirit. And the Word of God says in Galatians 5, this is where we find um, this, the description of the fruit of the Spirit. And so Paul says in Galatians 5, starting in verse 22, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So these are beautiful traits. This summer, we will focus on the fruit of the Spirit, and we, I would like us to start with a question. Okay, are you ready for it? This is a question for you. This is something that you need to ask yourself. So ask yourself this. Does my character reflect the gospel? Does my character reflect the gospel? And if that is not such an easy question to answer, there's another one that might help. Does my character make people want to believe the gospel? Does your character make people want to know more about God? There is a saying in the, in the Christian world, people say this, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Now, this is an exaggeration because the gospel is a message. And we are to explain it through our words. The, the, the Bible says that faith comes by listening and listening comes from the word of God. But this sentence is such a reminder that our actions, they speak louder than words. Do you agree with that? Actions speak louder than words. And we as humans, I think we can understand, we are immensely broken. Because of us, our society and our world is, has so much that is ugly, so much that is disruptive, so much that is hostile, distasteful. And even right now, if we just open the news, I mean, it's just bad news after another and terrible things that people do to one another. So we recognize and hopefully you recognize your need to be saved. And we come together and we come before God and we recognize that Jesus, he is our savior. He, he is the one that we need for our salvation. We recognize that we need the word of God, that we need to trust in God's word to guide us to a change in our lives. 
and the Bible, especially in the New Testament, the times that we're living, it provides us a picture of practical godliness. What does godliness look like in a practical level? Some people ask, what does it look like to be holy? What does it look like to be godly? What does it look like to be Christ-like? That is why we go into the Word of God. But even though we are convicted of our need to be different, our need to change, we, many times we still don't know how. Daily we realize there is a gap between who we are today and who God called us to be. And Christians and sincere Christians, because we have to be sincere, we live in this tension. And we recognize that none of us are still in the place where we should be. I'm not talking about you guys sitting there. You didn't. You did well. Maybe it's cooler there. But there is a problem. There is this dissension. We are not comfortable yet because we still do not see everything that God called us to be. So let's read together in 2 Peter as we begin talking a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit. Let's read what Peter wrote to the imperfect believers at his time, the church of his time, living in an imperfect society. And this is what the Word of God says in 2 Peter chapter 1, right in the beginning, verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, so the question is, first and foremost, who is he writing to? Who is Peter writing to? Who is he addressing this letter? I'll give you some time. It's a very hard one. Who is he writing to? The church. The believers, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received the faith as precious as ours. Have you received faith in Jesus? Have you entrusted him for your salvation? So we need to pay attention. This is for us. This is what the Lord wanted to tell us. And it says in verse 3, listen to this. His divine power has given us everything. Say everything everything we need for what for a godly life god's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life and for this very reason make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts this letter. He starts saying right to the church, right in the beginning of a message, God has already given us everything we need, so that we can live godly lives. God has already given us Jesus to redeem us from our condemnation of our sins. God has already given us his word filled with the promises of what God 
decided to do in us promises that explicitly tells us what God intends to do in our lives. God has already given us his spirit to live in us, to strengthen us and empower us. So we have to come to this realization that even though we are still not living fully godly lives, God on his side, he has already given us everything. Say everything again. God is not withholding anything from you and from me so that we can see more of his presence in our lives. So that we can see more of his fruit in our lives. So for this reason, Peter is saying, if God has already given us everything, then we are to make every effort. And not to produce fruit, because the fruit is of the Spirit of God, but make every effort to not hinder the Spirit of God from producing the fruit in our lives. Do you know what a healthy tree looks like? What does a healthy tree look like? What does it do? Produces fruit. That's how we see if a, if a tree is healthy. But if a tree is unhealthy, it doesn't produce much fruit. It will be ineffective, which means it will lack quality in the fruit, or simply unproductive. It will lack quantity. Those two aspects that Peter is saying, if we are not keeping up with the Spirit of God, we will be ineffective and unproductive. And that's not how God wants us to live. Who wants to live ineffective and unproductive lives? Let's show hands. Who wants to live the bare minimum spiritually? None of us. We recognize that there is still a journey ahead of what God wants to do in us and his purpose, his goal. He already has given us everything to be healthy. Now this, of course, is it brings us many verses from Scripture. In the Old Testament, God describes Israel, his people, as a vine that God brought out of Egypt that he planted and he took through wilderness. Psalm 1 also gives us this beautiful image that the one who believes is like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. The Word of God gives us so many of these examples of how our lives are to bear fruit for the glory of God. But how are we to bear fruit? Because we are not trees. This is where the illustration kind of falls short. We're not trees. We're not just planted and seated there. We cannot choose to be by streams of waters. A tree doesn't choose how the weather is going to be like. If it's, a, if it's a bit too hot right now, maybe I'll go to the Maldives. It's a little bit chillier. It's not like that. So in this difference, we are to bear fruits like trees. But if we're not trees, how are we to bear fruit? How are we going to continue to make every effort so that we can see this fruit? And this is where John chapter 15 comes along. Jesus was telling his disciples exactly that. How are we to see fruit in our lives? And Jesus says in John 15, starting in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much 
you will bear much apart from me you can do nothing if you do not remain in me you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burnt this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples now a tree cannot move by itself but we can we need to make every effort to stay connected to the vine that is Jesus. That is why your pastors, your life group leaders, and many people that you encountered, they are constantly saying, look, this, it's very important that you read the Word of God daily. It is very important that you pray before God daily. It is very important that you do not neglect coming to church on Sundays, that, that you don't stop going to a life group during the week. It's important that you develop good godly relationships with people that are godly, that want to follow God alongside of you. These are things that we say time and time and time again. It's important that you get baptized. It's important that we celebrate communion like we are going to celebrate today. Why? Because these are the means the Holy Spirit uses to produce fruit in our lives. I still don't know any other way to be connected to Jesus other than these. This is what the Word of God tells us. That the Spirit of God uses to produce fruit in our lives. He's not asking us, and it would be a terrible message this morning... If you went out and we we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit and someone asks you, so what did Reuben preach about or what did you hear about in church today? And you say, hey, Reuben spoke about the fruit of the Spirit, so it means that we have to make a little bit of effort to be a little bit more loving and to, to, to be a little bit more peacekeepers that we need to, to be a, have a little bit more joy in our lives. So we need to try to do that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, we need to make every effort to stay connected to Jesus. This is our responsibility. This is my responsibility. This is your responsibility to stay connected to Him. And what does it look like to remain connected? To do the things that the Spirit is leading us so that He's at work in my life. And he's at work in my life when I pray. He's at work in my life when I read the word of God. He's at work in my life when we get together. The more that we fill our lives with the things that concern God, the more you will be ready to bear fruit. It's not about us trying to bear fruit. I've never seen a tree like pushing, really pushing. Like, oh, this is it. Another grape, another one and another one. Sometimes I still try. Today I'm going to be a little bit more patient. You know those days? You were so impatient yesterday. Your mind just, just splashed all over everyone that you encountered. But today you, you prayed, you had your devotional time with the Lord, and you say, yes, Jesus, forgive me. About, I'm going to try. Today I'm going to make every effort to be, to be more patient with people. Well, how does that, is that working out for you? I would say not so much because I'm still in that many times. 
And we think that it is our responsibility to bear fruit. It is our responsibility to show godliness. When Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can't do anything. The times, and if we are honest with ourselves, the times that we are not bearing much fruit for the glory of God, the times that we don't see much peace and much joy, much patience, much self-control, are the times that we need to ask ourselves this very honest question. How is your relationship with Jesus? How is your relationship with the Word of God? How is your prayer life? How are you committed in coming and being in the fellowship of believers? How are you focused on serving God with your gifts, with your talents? What, how are you doing what the Word of God is encouraging you to do as the means by which the Spirit will produce fruit in your life? And I had a personal realization. I think you would have the same one that is when I'm not in my best and doing my every effort. This is where I fall. This is where I cannot produce and I won't see joy and I won't see peace. So the word of God is telling us make every effort. The fruit of the spirit is not artificial. It's not made of plastic. When I was little, nowadays I don't see that much. Maybe not our parents, but our grandparents. Do you remember walking into their kitchen and in the center of the table you would see a fruit bowl, but not with real fruit? How weird was that? What happened back then that people like to have plastic fruit in the center of the kitchen? And thankfully, that is something that is not. But if you still go, and I don't know, Pedro's grandparents, Pedro has a lot of relatives. They still have, they do have, there you go. They're still there. It's not just for children to play with, to play shopping. But people still, sometimes they display fake fruit. The life of the Lord Jesus is implanted in us by the Spirit of God. So the fruit is not produced by us. It is produced in us. It is real. As organic is real. Spiritually organic because the Spirit of God is giving us. We're not hindering to receive everything that it will allow this branch that we are to produce and bear fruit. Bearing fruit is a continuous process. It often takes place in the quietness. It doesn't happen from one day to the next. There are some trees and there are some bushes that produce fruit very quick, and that's good. But imagine if the trees and the bushes were comparing themselves to each other. Hey, come on, this, it just takes a week and he's already bearing fruit. People like really love their fruit. Mine is like a whole year. But the same way trees are not comparing, we are not meant to compare. Our effort 
needs to be connected to Jesus. Author Tim Keller said, we are not saved by fruit, but by faith. But not fruitless faith. We are not saved by the fruit, we are saved by faith, but our faith is not meant to be fruitless. Because how do you know if a tree is alive? If it bears fruit. And the New Testament consistently warns us as believers to watch ourselves, to watch our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So Paul is acknowledging that there are believers that can fail the test. You and I, we can fail the test. How is the fruit of the Spirit showing in our lives? No one is telling you that you're not saved, that Christ is not in you. That you do not have a relationship with God. That's not what Paul is saying. He's not putting it all, oh, then, then everything is, you're nothing. You're worthless. No. He's saying, as a tree, as a branch that you are, examine yourself. We have that ability to see and to try to see where we are. Now, do you know exactly how you grow? Last Sunday, someone came to me, Ruben, I don't know if you noticed, and I don't know if someone tell you, but you look slimmer. You've been losing weight. And like, amen. I don't believe it's true, but amen. You don't have to lose weight. You just need to look like you're losing weight. We ourselves are the worst to understand. Sometimes people come to me and I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and they come to us, especially grandparents. They see them like every week or once every two weeks and they look at them and they immediately show, my goodness, they've grown so much. They've become some, so bigger. And I'm like, they're exactly the same. They look the same to me. But because I'm seeing it every day and I'm just in that process, I don't see it. But someone that comes around is able to see so many times much better than I am. That is why for, to examine ourselves, we cannot do it on our own. We can try and there are tools and we can try to do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. But God has put so many people in your life. Those who are married, God gave you your spouse, say amen. amen. Enthusiastically. To help you see how you really are. And the work that is still need to be done. People around you are to cherish the fruit that you're bearing. Because you're not bearing fruit for yourself. You're bearing fruit for others. I haven't seen a tree yet that eats its own fruit. The fruit is meant to be shared with those that are around you. So they will be able to say, thank you so much. You've made a difference in my life. This relationship has benefited me in so many different ways. Why? Because of the fruit of, your, of the Spirit in you. And so if we do that and we live that way, people will also be the ones, and many times it's your spouse, the person that is closest to you. They will say, Reuben, 
We need to talk. Oh, I love to hear, Ruben, we need to talk. Because <laughs> it's been on her mind and in her heart for a while. There is something that needs to change still. There is something that is hindering for someone in my life to see the fruit of the Spirit in me. So we are to do this together. Now notice also this, that the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. It means that it is not possible for the Spirit of God to produce love in you, but not patience. Or produce goodness, but not produce self-control. It means that the very presence of the Spirit wants to do a wholesome work in your life. The work of the Spirit in us is complete. Now we can have, based on our personalities, areas where we're hindering more the Spirit from showing. But it's never because the Spirit is really at work in, in the love that I feel and in my joy. But the Holy Spirit is not keeping up with self-control. Come on. Spirit, I, I know I have all, all those different drinks at home, all the wine and all the, the sweets that I have at home, but gee, come on, Holy Spirit, give me self-control. God has already given you everything. We are to rely on Him. Now, the first aspect that in the remaining time that we have this morning, we will talk about love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It begins with love. And I love this definition. We could spend so much time trying to define what love is. But according to God's Word, according to everything that the Word of God talks about love, I found this really good definition. I really liked it. Listen to this one. Affection focused on others that act sacrificially. Affection that is focused on others that acts sacrificially. And I like this. I think according to what I know of Scripture, this defines love so well. Because it's not so, so much a trait or just a characteristic like any other, but it's an inner disposition in which all of these other traits they flow from. It's not possible to be patient if you're not loving. It's not possible to be good if you're not loving. Love just permeates everything that God is and everything that God has done for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says this, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And this is a beautiful picture. It's not just saying that love was injected in our veins, that was put very discreetly in a narrow vein. No, God's love was poured upon us. Poured out, immensely given for us. And the outpouring of the love of God is the story of the whole Bible. The whole Bible, people are banning the Bible these days from schools. I, I'm sure that you've heard news. People are banning the Bible because they see violence, because they see um, sexual immorality. They see a lot of different things in the Bible. But it's, it's like trying to ban the news. It's like trying to bend the reality because this is what the world is. And when it, the Bible mentions it, it's just describing what the world is like. 
But the Bible is a book of love. The Bible is the book of love. The Bible is what gives us the hope to understand who we are and what we're, where we are heading. The Word of God says in 1 John chapter 4, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. God is love. We know and we rely on God's love for us. God is love means He's not just love. He is more than just love, but he's no less than love. Love is part of the essence of God. So when you and I, we think about loving and about loving someone else, if we are deep down honest, when we express love, it's usually directed to how attractive or how worthy we think someone is. Our manifestations of love from, to words, from physical, to gifts, to whatever it is that you do, it's usually you have to see some level of attractiveness or worthiness in the other person. But that's not the love of God. There is such a reminder in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 7. Because it's not the, the kind of love that God has for us. And he explains it. He says, Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, The Lord did not set his affection on you and chose you because you were more, more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from a land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God was speaking to the people of Israel, people that could be just full of themselves, of God chose me. I must be very special. I must be an extraordinary person. And we get all puffed up. Are you proud of being a believer? Are you proud of being a son of God? Do you walk into church with your chest like this? Look at me, all that I am. No. God didn't choose you because there was something in you that was more special than anyone else. God didn't choose to love you and to choose you because you had more to offer, because your eyes were prettier, because you were taller, because you were shorter, because you had a certain nationality, because you had a certain upbringing. God chose you because of his oath, because of his own will, because of his own decision. And let's talk about that because there is so much that divides us. Status, merits, culture, education, achievements, finance, background, appearance, and so much more. People go into different groups and people, some people actually say church is another way of separating people. Those who believe and those who not believe. Those that think that they're perfect and those who think they're not perfect. Church is not another group. Church is not another way of dividing people. Church is made of the most imperfect human beings and most diverse human beings on the face of this earth. Just look around you. There's no one that looks like you. 
There's no one from your hometown, I think. The only place on earth where these things can and should be dismantled and neutralized is in the church. We are supposed to be the people of God. And because we have received God's supernatural love for ourselves, it is that love that we should be able to give to the rest of the world. It's not my ability to love that it's good to have. No one is able to love Gabby, my wife, more than I do. It's, it's a love, yes, that is godly, but it's my choice. She's mine. Don't you dare love Gabby more than I do. But the Bible says in John 13, a new commandment I give you. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. Now, it doesn't seem so fitting, right? Depending on your understanding of love, how can God command us to love? If love is a feeling, if love is something that I just really need to feel it inside in order to do that. Something needs to happen inside of my heart so that I can give of myself for others. If you think love is a feeling, well, good luck. Continue to do that. But love is not just a feeling. Love is a commandment. You and I are to love one another just as God loved us. This is the fruit of the Spirit. God is not asking you to do that like He does on your own. No. But He is saying the Spirit of God that lives in you the whole reason I have given you this my spirit to live in you is that in your natural life, this reality that we live, you will be able to bear supernatural love as a fruit in your relationships, in the way people treat you, in the injustice that is around you, with the colleague that badmouths you in the workplace and says, spreads lies about you. With your family member that has mistreated you from childhood. With the people and, and maybe the ex-husband, ex-wife that betrayed you. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a commandment, a new commandment. You must love one another. It would be impossible even for us to try to love people if it wasn't in us understanding the kind of love that God had for us. As he has loved us, we are to love others. There's no middle ground. First Corinthians chapter 13, it's a beautiful, beautiful chapter describing what love is. If you want to know what love is, don't listen to the song. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you married couples had 1 Corinthians 13 read in your, in your wedding? You avoid some, okay, some of you. Some avoided, feels like it's sometimes a cliche, but it's not a cliche, it's the word of God. 
It says in verse 1, If I had the gift of being able to speak in other languages without learning them, I could speak in every language there is in all heaven and earth, but didn't have love for others, I would only be making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and knew all about what is going to happen in the future, knew everything about everything, but didn't love others, what good would it be? Even if I had the gift of faith so that I could speak to a mountain and make it move, I would still be worth nothing at all without love. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and if I were burnt alive for preaching the gospel, but didn't love others. Listen to this. It would be of no value whatsoever. God's love is essential. It's foundational. The Word of God actually tells us that people will know that we belong to God. How? By the way, we love one another. If you just love the ones that love you back, how is that godly love? Jesus said, love your enemies. It's not possible if it's not through the fruit of the Spirit. We're very close to closing. The coming verses in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, they describe love better than I can with my words. The Word of God says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not proud and does not boast. Love does not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love is not glad when people do wrong things, but it is always glad when they do right. Love forgives everything. Love is always trusting and always hoping and never gives up. Love never ends. Are you happy to examine yourself this morning, I have an exercise for you. As you read in the words in the screen, every time it says love, just put your name on it. Instead of reading love, read Pedro, read Dina, read Laura. I'm going to try it out. Can you put it on the screen? Sorry, you took it out. Love is... There you go. Okay, I'm going to read it for you. My exercise, okay? Love is patient. Is kind. Okay. Reuben is patient and kind. Reuben is not jealous. Reuben is not proud and does not boast. Reuben does not dishonor others. Reuben is not self-seeking. Reuben is not easily angered. I'm sorry, this feels like I'm, I'm not saying the truth. It's a bit too painful. Just that one. I'm not going to give examples of that, but Reuben is not easily angered. Then you don't know me very well.
it is very convicting. And it should be convicting to us. It means that every time I'm not being patient and I'm not being kind, every time I act jealous, every time that I'm prideful, I'm not showing what the gospel is. And I'm not showing who God is. I'm showing who Reuben is. And we were not called to show who we are. We're called to show who God is. And the question is simple, how do we do that? And the answer that we've read is this. I am the vine, you are the branches, said Jesus. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. There is no other way. If you are not showing these traits of God in your life, if I am not showing, and I know that I'm not fully showing, then I am to make every effort to be in God's Word. I need to make every effort to pray. I need to make every effort to be in the fellowship of believers. I am to make every effort to share my faith. I need to make every effort to think about God daily, to ask the will of God for my life daily. I am to, in all moments of my life, to bring everything and surrender everything before God. How am I doing that? My friends, it's not about if you spend five minutes praying or if you spend one hour praying. It's about, are you bearing fruit? Are we bearing fruit? And let me tell you, many times we have to reach rock bottom. Relationships to be destroyed. Self-esteem to be the lowest. Get into depression, feel anxiety attacks, have the world crumbling so that we understand that we need God and to seek Him first. God doesn't want that. That's not why God created us. He created us to live in this beautiful relationship with him, that we are abiding in him, that we remain in him, all times. And if you do that, we will see the fruit. Don't stop abiding, don't stop remaining in Jesus and making every effort if you're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Do not shy away from the truth that you need more of God in your life. And he's going to be right there to forgive you, to nurture you, to give you every ingredient, to give you every nutrient, to give you everything that you need to bear fruit. It's not going to be from one day to the next. It's not because you spend 15 days in the morning with Jesus that the rest of the day is going to be good, good to go. But remain in him. Remain in Jesus. 
And sooner than later, you will start seeing the change in your life. Sooner than later, you will start seeing people around you to notice the one that is living in you. We're going to take communion this, this morning, and I'll ask the, the Connect team to come and distribute the symbols. Communion is such a reminder. It's a celebration for the church. It's a time where we remember who Jesus is and what he, done, what he did for us. It reminds us who we are in him. And I'd love us to do exactly that in the remaining time that we have in the service because the time that we spend together is not an exhortation for you to roll up your sleeves and love the best that you can. But it's a reminder of the wonderful love that God has for us. Even though we are still not everything that we should be, by His grace, we're also not everything that we once were. But that is why we need God. And communion is exactly that. That's why Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, he tells us before we even take these symbols, we are to examine ourselves. So I'd like us to do exactly that. As you hold on to the symbols, take a piece of, of bread, Take one of the cups. The darker one is wine, actual wine. The lighter one is, is juice. So take according to your conscience. But we're going to take these symbols together. So I'm going to invite you to hold on to them. The Word of God is very clear. That God has already given us everything we need in order to see godly life. And in this quietness, I'd like you to do exactly that. If you've already received the symbols, I invite you to close your eyes with me. To enter a time of examination, a time of prayer. Just very recently, Gabby noticed there was something in my life that wasn't so good. But it was, if, if we're honest, there are things that, the, that I am the same as I was six years ago when I married Gabby. And so many times what, how we live, many times the conversations we have, not to say discussions, but what we talk about are things that are intrinsically part of me, the same way that we talk about her. Because we are not capable of change. We do not change ourselves. But being very honest with her and being very honest with you, we kind of let ourselves go a little bit because who is she to judge or tell me where I'm falling? Who is she? Who is someone to tell me that I'm lacking patience or I'm lacking this if everyone is imperfect, right? So we do cut ourselves some slack and we say, hey, no one is perfect. But unless and if we allow that to move on and to go on for much longer, it's not going to bear a good fruit. What you allow to happen, the behaviors that you allow to happen in your life, they don't produce good fruit. And one year has passed, two years have passed, three years, 
five years, six years now. And there are still things that I'm holding on. And until I make a commitment of coming to God daily and voicing that, God, I don't want to be this way anymore. If it is not our decision to say, God, I'm tired. I don't want to have this behavior. I don't want to see this bad fruit in my life anymore. Will you bear the fruit of your spirit in my life? Will you help me to produce the fruit that you want to see in my life? And seeking God specifically for that. Many times we see believers and Christians that we seek God for our finances. We seek God and we pray for healing. We seek God and we pray insistently because we want to see something to happen. And we believe and we trust and we obey God's word that we are insistent in our prayers. How are we being insistent in praying for ourselves? And asking God to change us. We can be doing and achieving many things in, in our worlds, in our, our lives. But the Bible says, if I do not have love, if I'm not showing his love, it's worth nothing. So let me give us a few moments to think, to examine ourselves. Just to be in the presence of God just before we take these symbols. And really ask the Lord to help us identify how we are to abide in it.